That's right. Yeah, I'm sitting here uh, drinking my drinking my grind right now. I don't know. I I, I like to drink veteran uh, owned coffee if possible. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, supporting other veterans. What I think is amazing though is how many veterans who start businesses. How many of them are coffee shops? Yeah, I talked to someone last week that said that uh, it's because veterans live uh, and work so many places where the coffee sucks that when they get out, all they can think about is having good coffee, and so they end up doing it themselves. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, I like recently uh, Dope Coffee out of Atlanta. Have like a coffee hip hop fusion brand. Um, okay. Marine Corps veteran uh, runs that, and then. I just recently met the guy who runs a One Nation Coffee out of Charleston. They, they roast and bag their own beans, and they got some good stuff. In Charleston, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah. The guy's a the guy's a EOD senior chief who run who uh, co owns it. He came, okay. and brought his some of his people and some of his grind up, and we uh, we had an event at the end of last week, Thursday and Friday of last week. He, they were our coffee sponsors, so it's always good to get a cup of veteran coffee. Jack is a Navy veteran who served as a Navy SEAL. He served as a tactical communicator as well as on SEAL Team 1 in the greater San Diego area but primarily served as lead JTAC instructor and evaluator for for all 80 West Coast SEAL JTACs coming through the Urban Combat Training Theater. The acronym JTAC stands for Joint Terminal Attack Controller. Jack coordinated a variety of aircraft to work together in support of SEAL unit level training and collaborated with a small team to forge the way forward for the SEAL JTAC community. Yeah, in two, two years is like, you know, that's a that's a platoon cycle, right? There's nothing, you know, and just, just probably zooming out another layer. I think as a culture, you know, um, Americans are hard. It's hard to parse between who we are and what we do. Um that's something that I, I, I heard, you know, many years ago. You know, Americans ask each other, "What do, what do you do for a living?" Uh, Europeans ask each other, "Who are you?" Right? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. We are very much defined by our by our um, vocation. You know, it, it's not who you are. Right? You'll you'll be many other things throughout your life. Even if you do a career, you know, thirty years in the teams, you've still got you know presumably another fifty years of living. There's a, there's a lot more to it than just your your time in whether it was you know for for three or four years or for for thirty. So welcome. September of 2017. So I'm in my fourth year out, which sounds wild to say. It doesn't feel like it's been that long. But, um, you know, the transition process really started about three years left of that. So around 2014, I started kind of thinking, okay, I've got a, um, you know, reenlistment window coming up in a year or two. Do I want to uh, take it to 20 or do I want to make it, um, you know, do the reserves or make it a clean break? Uh, I took I took an instructor billet at that six year mark. So I did two platoons and then took an instructor billet to kind of see, you know, I had I just had my uh, first child, was inclined toward getting out, and really the instructor billet was a way to both, uh, you know, give a little bit back to the, the teams, but also, um, you know, see if I was actually wanting to get out. And if I got to an instructor duty. And hated it, and just wanted to get back in a platoon and keep operating. Then that was available. So, um, 
it wasn't like a, I just one day decided to cannonball out of the teams and you know cut all ties and, and disappeared. So it took a couple of years for me to really process that I was going to get out and um, you know both mentally and physically kind of unzip yourself from the from the government and the military. So um, you know some of the stuff that I did along the way in transition, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, was work with I, I was an uh, honor foundation uh, alum. So. That, do you know the Honor Foundation at all? I've definitely heard of it, mm-hmm. and I've heard nothing but good things about it, but I've not actually taken advantage of it. Cool. So the Honor Foundation is its like a night school for transitioning veterans. I don't know exactly what their current, like, you know, who they work with and who they want in the military. I know it's not everyone. And when I was going through, it was like special operators and support from the special operations community. So if you were an Intel person at SEAL Team 1, you, you qualify. Um, it, and it's, it was night school for transition. It was how to, how to you know, present yourself professionally, both in dress, um, you know, speech, writing, resume, do all that stuff. How do you, how, you know, and also some, a lot of introspection, you know, who am I? What are my values? What are my strengths and weaknesses? We did stuff like the Gallup Strength Finder and, um, you know, so... Find, you know, find your why by Simon Sinek. A lot of that just kind of introspective time spent. Um, and doing exactly what you just kind of said about, you know, drop rank, you know, take the trident off your uniform, take the rank off your collar. Um, let's all sit in this room and, and just talk candidly about transition and what are, you know, what are our fears and, and misgivings and misconceptions and all that stuff. And so that was a really powerful experience for me because until that point, you know, if I've going to be in a room talking to a 30-year master chief or something like that, um, you know, there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of space between us right, in terms of uh, experience and, you know, deference to rank and, and all that stuff. But in that environment, everybody's kind of on the same playing field. And you heard guys, you know, those guys that were at the end of their careers, you know, 25, 30 years in, they had the exact same, you know, trepidations uh, and fears that the guys that were six years in. We'll be right back. Subscribe now. So it was kind of universal, and that, that was really kind of humanizing. and made us made me at least feel a little bit less alone in transition. That, hey, these feelings that I'm feeling aren't unique to me. They're pretty much everyone that transitions feels this way. Um, so that, that was um, a cool, kind of you know, helpful program. Um, and that really, that was that's about 18 months before I got out. So that was, you know, 2015, 2016, um, as I was doing instructor, instructor duty. So... You know, um, the, the next kind of phase, you know, once you finish that, it, you know, they, the Honor Foundation guided us to think first and foremost, you know, geographically, where do you want to be? You know, not what job you want to do, what role or title, or how much money do you want to make? But it was, where do you want to be in the world? You know, day to day, where's your home base? Um, and then kind of think about what, what do you want your life to look like? You get to, I think we're so uh, accustomed to having our life somewhat programmed for us in the military. Like, here's where you live. Here's how much money you make. Here's your, you know, here's your general job duty description. Uh, also very specific sometimes. And all that kind of goes away. So you lose that scaffolding to, to operate in. And so, um, you know, starting with geography and then kind of starting with lifestyle structure. I mean, do you want to um, work for a Fortune 1000 company, you know, go into a huge corporate environment and work that way? Or do you want to work um, in the startup world or do you want to work as an entrepreneur? Uh, kind of figuring out those you know, for me personally, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to test the other end of the spectrum 
from the DOD, right? Giant. I think it's the world's biggest bureaucracy. So I wanted to try working for myself um, to, to, you know, get a, get a taste of it. I tried working for a huge government organization and didn't really want to try that again. So um, that's what I did. I'm self-employed today. It's been, um, I think the biggest downside to that is you don't have a team. You know, the team is what you make it. And currently it's just me. So, um, you know, going from a high functioning team environment to basically a non-existent team environment it's a little bit of a, a shock to the system. Um, you know, you kind of have to bring your own PMA and everything, and that's uh, not always an easy to, easy lift. Um, and in transition, you know, one of the things that we, we do we do now, uh, I say we, this is uh, something my dad and I worked on for the last couple of years, is, is um, you know, our geography is Greenville, South Carolina. We like Greenville. We like the, the upstate area around it. Um, both for the, the people that live here, you know, the geography itself, a beautiful part of the country, um, the cost of living is really low. And so we tried to, we tried to light up Greenville as a place where, um, not just seals, but, um, you know, anyone in transition can find uh, a home and at the very least find a, a temporary landing spot, uh, where they can, you know, pivot and reorg and then go out and do great things. So, um, you know, staying networked with other veterans or with other SEALs is something that, that I, it's not something I do. Um, it's almost an unconscious de- desire. I have to stay connected to the people that I care about, right? I mean, that tribe that we build in the military, it doesn't just go away. That part of your brain doesn't just disappear um, when you transition out and hang it up. It's very much still there. And so, you know, the way I scratch that itch for myself is, is by, uh, staying connected to the guys that are still in, guys and girls, and then, um, you know, being kind of banging the drum to say, hey, here's where the resources are. Here's how you successfully exit. You know, here's what you should be thinking about now if you're, you know, one, two, three, you know, years from, from getting out. Um, that's, that's something that I find to be really cathartic for me to do, but it's also helpful for other veterans. So it's kind of a win-win. Um, so yeah, I mean that's it's general musings on transition to this point. But, um, I'll kind of hold my tongue for a second and let you let you uh, get a word in edgewise. Where I am in this in this program is um, at the place to, of discovering what my values are, mm-hmm. and um, it's easy. I think I think for me, it's easy to say, "Oh, well, you know the army va- the seven army values." That's what my values are because I was in the army and that's what the army's values are. Therefore they're mine. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that I like about it is that it's putting me in a place to kind of peel back. Are those really my values though? Right. Um, and it's not that those army values are a bad thing um, or a good thing or indifferent. It's that um, what, what, it, what are Tiffany's values what is it that I value as a person? Um, and so it, it is interesting. And to, to not only look at it and say, okay, um, integrity is a value because, no, not because the Army says so, but because I think it's good to do what is, you know, do what doing what is right, whether somebody is looking or not. That's right, yeah. And And to be able to define that, um, for me as a person 
So if when I when I really drill down and look at it like that and say, yes, I think integrity is important because I think it's important to do what's right, even when no one's looking. I and and to honestly believe that, then I can say yes, integrity is a personal value of mine. It just so happens that the army also has that value. Subscribe now. Roger that. Thank you, and have a nice day.